there are secrets out there, guys, performance marketing secrets, and knowing just one or two of them can light up your funnels. Let's go. This is Performance Marketing Insiders. I'm Chris Mechanic. Join me as we go deep into the secrets of the world's elite marketing minds. Performance Marketing Insiders is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the AI-driven performance agency that makes you smarter. Everybody, and welcome to another episode of Performance Marketing Insiders. I'm super excited for our guest today. Um, she's got over 25 years of international experience championing Fortune 500 brands to really articulate their vision through marketing. And her track record is, is really just unmatched. Uh, she's been recognized by Marsum as one of the top influencers in marketing and advertising, winning over 100 awards uh, from the likes of AdAge, AdWeek, BrandWeek, CBS, CNN, Communication Arts, and the list goes on and on. She was recently named one of the uh, 29 most powerful women in digital uh, by Refinery29. Uh, alongside uh, other women, including Sheryl Sandberg and and many others that uh, that you would know and recognize, and she's currently VP of Integrated Marketing and Creative at Jackson Hewitt, which is an awesome brand. So I'm super duper excited to be speaking with you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome Suzanne Darmory to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. This is great, and I'm glad we could finally do this. I know, I know. Suzanne and I had an epic. Uh, rescheduling dance going on, but we finally got it. I think it was fifth time the charm. So yeah, the universe worked to bring it together this time. Sure did. Cool. So Suzanne, I have a lot to talk to you about, but you know that our audience is all about those secrets. So why don't you start off by just revealing one of your biggest secrets to success in marketing and in your career? Absolutely. So as you mentioned, I've been in this for quite a few years. Um, and one of the things that I really truly believe in is always having a thick skin, but a warm heart. We have, you know, there are so many, there's so many layers, there's so many levels to go through. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, people who are supportive and there are a lot of people you just have to learn how to navigate. And I think having a thick skin is something you get as you, you know, go through different levels and different ladders. Um, but having a warm heart, making sure that you treat everybody the same, regardless of the situation, um, and making sure that you really pave, pave the way forward to others who are coming into this industry as well. Yeah, and it's an interesting dichotomy, right? Because like thick skin and warm heart mm -hmm. don't don't tend to go together. Um, were you? Do you naturally have thick skin, or did you develop? No. You developed it over time. <laughs> no, it was a develop over time. It was, um, you know, my very first job. I. I was at Gray and um, we would sit, we would be asked to, I was a copywriter and we would be asked to write headlines we'd, and there'd be like 10 or 15 of us. We had 15 minutes to write the headlines, come back into this pit and the, you know, the main boss would read it and just be like, terrible, terrible, terrible winner. And then you'd go back out and you had to do this again day after day. So yeah. just that, you know, the moment of seeing your work just being ripped up, it's like, you gotta have to have to really get that thick skin a little bit. And especially you know, moving on and understanding when to fight your battles and when to sort of say good enough is good enough. Mm -hmm. So are there techniques that, that one might develop other than just having like your work ripped to shreds, like in front of your, in front of your colleagues, are there, are there any other techniques or any other um, ways that one might intentionally go about the thickening their skin? It's, and it's an interest. I mean, it really is an interesting thing. I think 
you know, at the end of the day, we all want to do our best and we all want to be our best. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's also we need to think about what's really important, which is our families, our friends, our, you know, our work-life balance and our mental health. And I think sometimes it gets, you know, sometimes it's just like, oh my gosh, am I going to get through today? And, you know, sort of have to take a step back and say, we can do this and there's there's another day. So I think that helps quite a bit. It's just trying to stay stable and sane throughout everything. Yeah. And uh, how does, like, why is thick skin helpful or, or how has it helped you to have thick skin? I think it's just the, you know, creatives particularly are very sensitive by trade. And I, you know, come from the creative side. I'm a, I was a longtime copywriter and then creative director and then executive creative director and CCO. So just, you know, going through that understanding, it's not personal. It's just, you know, it is what it is and being able to sort of parlay that into everyday life. So understanding that it's just a work, you know, what gets the best results where, you know, how is this going to drive brands? How's this going to really, you know, whether it's appointment utilization or sales or whatever the, the, you know, the ROI on it is. Um, but it, it's just making sure that it, you sort of say, this is not made. It's a, a bigger brand purpose. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And I think that, um, it is really easy to to take criticism personally, you know, uh, but but just to kind of have a mantra to yourself of like, hey, this isn't about me. This is about my work. I think it was Steve Jobs that was um, he would say, this is shit like this is absolutely shit. But he he was actually uh, careful not to say like you are shit, right. <laughs> you know, but maybe some bosses aren't aren't so nice. Yeah, I've had a range. I've had some incredible ones and I've had some very challenging ones and I've learned a lot from all of them. It's, you know, what to do, what not to do. So one of my favorite bosses is still my mentor and he helps guide me when I'm, you know, have a less thick skin moment in my life. So. Yeah. And um, have you noticed, like, have things changed dramatically in the workplace with regard to thick skin? Like it, it seems like people have become really sensitive like over the last maybe 10 or so years whereas like i've heard stories from people that were in agencies like in the you know 60s 70s 80s and it was totally just like mad men and there was no such thing as like workplace conduct you know type uh type things but in the like was it uh like, do you feel that the need to have thick skin was a lot greater before than it is now? Or is it just as important now as ever? I think it's just as important now as ever. I start, I mean, I started in the 90s when it was still, we were just leaning out of the Mad Men era, but there was a lot yeah. of madness and right into the, you know, the digital bubble. Um, so there was, you know, a lot of behavior that would not be allowed these days. I've seen a lot of things, but um you know, just understanding that sensitivity does exist and being mindful of it. Um, I do believe that we're all becoming a little more sensitive at the end of the day, knowing that we're people. And I think that's the one thing the pandemic really put in place is we started to work harder and, you know, we had no off button, but the sensitivity became higher because, you know, there was more expect higher expectations without that, like, I'm going into work, I'm leaving work moment. So yeah. I think it's it's really changed a lot being more understanding of you know long hours means that people do get a little more fried yeah absolutely cool well let's talk about jackson hewitt a little bit yes um 
I know that we're we're in the thicket of tax season, so I appreciate you taking the time. But uh, it looks like you've been there a couple of years, and you are coming from. Have you been on agency side your whole career? And Jack, I for the most part, I was an agency side my whole life. Uh, I started my own agency before I came here, and I really did my best, and I loved having it. But unfortunately, you know, as they say, most businesses fail in their first year. I consider it a success that I was able to parlay everything I knew into. You know, creating my own agency, which is something I wanted to do. Um, and that was prior to being here. Then I went agency side full time. It was almost two years ago. Um, and the appeal uh, of going to Jackson Hewitt was that taxes seem really, really unfun. It's the one thing that everyone's like, oh gosh, taxes. Like, you know, even I was in Walmart's helping set up a Jackson Hewitt kiosk. And some woman with her was with her small kids and she was like, oh, it's those tax people again, you know? And it, mm. So there is that, you know, obviously we all have that stigma. It's, but, you know, I saw it as an opportunity. How do you create a human brand that really resonates with people and creating a better one-to-one communication? Um, you know, there are a lot of big tax brands in the industry and they're pervasive and they're in Super Bowl. You know, we're a smaller, leaner model. And, and yet I think the way that the brand has evolved in the last few years is significant and it's become more of a personality, more of you know a human connection as opposed to just a, a tax firm. That's awesome. And what have been uh, talk to us about some of your some of your wins since you've been there. Some of the things that you're proud of. Like I saw you had a campaign recently that was yes. honored in the in the media. I saw. Yes, we had a campaign which uh, you know I I have a lot of heart for. It's called What the Buck, um, and it was all about that moment where you realize that the dollar. You know, every dollar matters and it matters who does your taxes. So it was that moment where we realized, you know, recession, inflation, gas prices, eggs, you name it, everything was really um, sort of leaning into the every dollar matters. So our, um, you know, our campaign of the year, the what the buck was that reaction. Like, how do you take that dollar and make it stretch more? Um, and obviously, the payoff at the end was that buck yeah moment where. Um, the no, person received funny. their their rewards and you know, their refunds, and you know they were excited. Uh, but obviously, it cost a lot of stir once you know we got it on the air. So um, we had to pivot a little bit to uh, to tone it down a little bit. We were getting all sorts of emails. I was getting personal phone calls, handwritten oh, really? letters. Oh, yeah. What were they saying? Um, you know, just basically that they thought it was too close to another word and, you know, they're yeah. kids and seen it. And so we pivoted, oh, we did, you know, what we thought was right and keep it on, but, and we toned down the, what the buck instead we said need money, which was, you know, also very relevant for where we are in the time of season. So what did you say instead? I'm sorry. I didn't catch that. It's, uh, we changed what the buck to need money. So we toned it down a little bit, kept oh, the same yeah. spot, but just didn't, you know, we were, we, Basically, it was our way of saying, yes, we're listening to you. Uh, we understand that, you know, it was taken in a different uh, different medium. But I still consider it a win. I mean, we the we had more appointments that span of those few weeks. And obviously, TV was working for a lot of people. Yeah, but you took it down anyway. Because, I mean, that happens. There's going to well, be, we be negative. Right. There's negative. We didn't take it down. We pivoted. So we amended it. Um, but we right. did, we only had a four week run anyway. So it was, it was, there was an end stop anyway. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really interesting. So um, I come more from the performance side of the equation. Mm -hmm. So like my background is in 
search, SEO, SEM, you know, driving traffic, conversion rate optimization. I'm curious when you launch sort of mass media or TV or other offline campaigns, how do you think about the measurement of it? It's interesting because we are completely omnichannel, right? The TV is the, there are a few outliers, obviously, you know, digital, you can track social, you can track. There are so many other things that we can track to actual appointment utilization. Um, TV is more for the brands and, uh, you know, we do a lot of TV, we do a lot of radio. So we're, you know, I don't know if you're ever driving, but I feel like it's everywhere. We have a great media buy for that. And, you know, those two things are a little bit harder to track, except you could sort of say, all right, well, this was up, this most likely drove traffic. So it's sort of a, you know, an, an educated uh, guesstimation, really. Mm-hmm. Do you guys have any tools or tech that you use internally for attribution? We do. And- we have we have an incredible uh, CRM department. We absolutely do. We have a lot of tools. So we can... It's easier, and we have a lot of great partners for that as well, um, but it's easier, obviously, to, to track and optimize when you have that ability to use tools to do so. That's awesome. So uh, since having been at Jackson, you, what are some other things that you were pleasantly surprised by? I think just the fact that um, we make such a difference in seeing the stories of the people who uh, you know, were able to feed their kids, get Christmas presents, get, you know, get the tires they needed for their car to go to their job. I think the real humanity of of the results, you know, helping people get money back so that they can afford the things that they really need, that to me has been the greatest, you know, just hearing these people say thank you and um, you know, really just making a difference in people's lives and in communities because, you know, a lot of our Offices are in very local areas, so they know their tax pro. They, you know, probably socialize with them, maybe go to church with them. So it's a very local business across the U.S., and it's just nice that it's making a difference. It's not just a, you know, file your taxes and get it over with. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So this is going to sound like a really dumb question, but um, I'm curious in your role, like, like what is it that you uh, that you're doing? Like, are you in charge of TV, radio, print, or of all mediums? Yes, basically. So yes, all of the the above. And it's, you know, it's really about getting the brands right. So when I started, there was one, we had one art director, um, in an external agency. And then coming from the agency side, it sort of didn't make sense to me that we didn't have the brands that we were giving away the good stuff and, you know, taking all the production stuff. So I flipped it and created an internal center of excellence and really built up, you know, copywriters, creative directors, uh, art directors, and a proofreader just so that we had that we could hold the brand internally and lean on outside uh, production vendors to help us with TV and radio. So mm, I think, that makes I, a lot of sense. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's more fun. People are more invested and, you know, we live and breathe the brand day in, day out. So yeah. Yeah. And then are you guys structured? Uh, your teams, do you have like a brand team and a performance team separately, or is it one unit that's more cohesive? Yeah. As far as um, the, I mean, we have, you know, CRM, we have digital uh, and we have the creative team. So, and we all work cohesively as partners to make sure that we get the best work and optimize it and and watch every day, especially, you know, we have such a short season. We We basically have from, we opened stores December 6th this year, earlier than ever, and we're done April 18th. I mean, that's pretty much, we do have 
off-season extensions and tax resolution. But for the most part, we had a really short condensed season. Mm, yeah, interesting. So that's a good seg. I'm curious, um, what are some of the challenges? Like, What are some of the greatest challenges you're facing currently? I mean, I think overall the, this year, the refunds are a lot smaller than they were last year. We, we don't have the credits. Last year, there were thousands of credits. Um, and there, none of that is happening this year. So people are the people that we had in the pandemic, and this is a universal across the board, um, thing is that people were doing their taxes more because they could only get their child credits or the, the EITC credits, um, if they filed. So -hmm. people were filing more and we've noticed that a lot have dropped off. So that's, you know, I think that's basically a lot of dropped off and refunds are much smaller this year. And I think that they go hand in hand. <laughs> gotcha. Um, anything else? Any other not- notable challenges that you guys are seeing? I mean, I think that's it. It's we share, you know, as an industry, the you know the pros and cons. Like, you know, it was up and then it's down, and right. Um, but it's you know, if you haven't done your taxes yet, you might expect a smaller refund. Unfortunately, this year, and that yeah. has nothing to do with us. That's <laughs> right. You're like, it's not us, guys. It's, not us. it's the IRS. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah, I think the the per- pervasive thought around 2023, most people are kind of in this efficiency mode. Like a lot of people are saying it's the year of efficiency. Budgets generally are flat or down. Potentially goals are generally, you know, the same or mm-hmm. up slightly. Uh, yeah. So most marketers are being asked effectively to do more with less. That um is, is a that, fact. Yeah. That's the case. That's what you guys are saying too. For sure. I mean, it's, you know, it's that tightened your belts at at the beginning of the year. I think particularly everyone was, you know, really concerned about what was happening. And, you know, now things have stable, like gas has stabilized, inflation has sort of stabilized a little bit, but things are still fluctuating. You know, the next thing that's supposed to be up is olive oil. So we don't know what's next as far as, um, as far as what, you know, what is coming around the corner, but we know that people are reacting and they're trying to really just keep everything, you know, as, as tight as possible. Yeah. And have you guys done anything specifically like this year or late last year to, to, uh, solve for that adjustment? Like um, was your agency shift part of that it, thinking yes. like, to bring the yeah. strategy in house? Exactly. I mean, it's all part of the streamlining. Uh, I mean, yes, it did help with that, but it was more the keeping the brand in house. Um, but yeah, that is definitely something you know, budgets, budgets change and fluctuate from year to year. Yeah. Very cool. Are you guys doing anything else to, um, to basically like trim around the corners? Like, are you looking at any, uh, new mediums or new platforms like CTV or OTT or. We do OTT, uh, quite a bit and we have some other things, but it's, I mean, we pretty much stayed as, you know, business as usual this year which is really nice. Um, you know, just, it's great to not have to do a huge change, especially because this is, you know, as we call it, their tax season. So this is a lot of people's second tax season. Um, and every year is so different. You know, it's like, you'd think it was just be the same year after year, but it's really not. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, they are definitely lucky to have you. Uh, you. It, yeah. It seems like you're doing really awesome work. Um, I'm excited to see what else you guys come up with this year. And it looks like, well, yeah, so you're coming 
you're coming to Jackson Hewitt straight from the agency side. Tell us just a little bit about like the chronology of your career. Like take us back to Suzanne, the kid, and just go from like, you know, you went from high school, you went to college, curious about how you got into the advertising game and just kind of like uh, how you sort of ascended to where you are now. Absolutely. It's an interesting story. And my mom can actually attest to it. Um, I was 14 years old and I wrote a paper and she had it. She gave it to me recently that at 14, I wanted to be in advertising, to have my own agency, to have two kids and to be paid, I think, 40,000 a year. Yeah. And she found it. I was 14 years old. And I started as a trained artist, um, you know, trained fine artist through high school and, um, I studied at FIT, I studied in Paris, and then I went to college and I realized that as I went to BU, that the writers just had to learn Word, but that the art directors had to do Photoshop, InDesign, and all the things. I was like, copywriter. I mean, it's like easy. Yeah. So I, um, that's how I ended up becoming a copywriter. And then my uh, favorite professor, Alan Holiday of Hill Holiday, was my teacher and I was his TA. So I was really close with him and he was the one who actually helped me get into the business and get my job at Gray. Um, and then I made my way up and, and I was always trying to stay ahead of the times of what was next. So I went into digital really early. Um, I went in in the late nineties to oh, start wow. up iDeutsch. Yeah. Deutsche started an interactive division to support Ikea.com. So I wrote the first original Ikea.com, which was the changing point in, of my career. Um, and then was in New York for a bit and working on interactive. And then I moved to London for three years to learn about the customer journey. And I freelanced there, came back and really just, you know, was able to pivot into different things. Um, one of my recent jobs was at Zeta, which is, you know, all about the data and the customer journey and the acquisition. And I, so I try to always stay ahead of what could be next. And, you know, not it's not what brand I'm working on or what agency, it's what do I think the next thing is. So, you know, I sort of backed from interactive to customer to customer experience to brands. Um, so I and then into data strategy. So it's, you know, it's kind of a backwards journey, but I think that knowing where we're going next as marketers, as advertisers is is key to to sort of staying relevant and being on top of of the journey. Yeah. So more on that later. I am interested in your thoughts on the future. Um, but as you think back on your career, like aside from Jackson Hewitt, like what was the most fun you were having or at what point were you most fulfilled and most, you know, like engaged? I mean, advertising was super fun, you know, in the late nineties in New York city, it was just the best. It was the who's who of, you know, of the advertising world. There were, there were very few laws and it was before we would track anything, I was one of the few people I was like, how do we see results? And they were like, nah, don't worry about results. It, the budgets were huge. And, you know, yeah. it was just, it was the Wild West. You could be as creative as you wanted. And it was so fun. Um, and then obviously, you know, more, more uh, rules came into play and it just calmed down a little bit. But I'd say New York City in the late 90s, you know, working at all the big agencies was, was quite the experience. And, you know, there were, it was just, it was a wild time. There was a lot of work, but, you know, we also uh, had a lot of, of fun campaigns and just really disrupted. Um, and that was, that was great. The guardrails were off at the time, you know, and then they went yeah. on and it was like, okay. And so what was it like then? Like, take us through a day in the life. How were the hours? Like, what was a typical day in the agency life? They were, I mean, when I worked at Deutsch, I, uh, 
was there day and night and weekends. And I finally, I think it was after like 10, I mean, it was, you know, I was writing every page of Ikea. Like it wasn't, I wasn't going anywhere. Um, I think I had, it was month nine or 10 where I asked for a weekend off because my brother got engaged. And I was like, I have to go to a thing. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, so it was, you know, it was, but it, nobody cared. It was, we were having the best time. So, it, you know, it was long nights, long days. I think some of that has, you know, ebbed and flowed through the years and the way that people work. And again, that, you know, we were, I, I felt like we were back on track to normal hours and then the pandemic hit and suddenly everyone's like, wait, I really have no off button. So um, I think we're yeah. sort of getting back to more of a, you know, with everyone either hybrid or back to office or, you know, remote that we're getting back to a more regulated, uh, you know, work-life balance. Yeah, that's really cool. All right. Well, let's look forward a little bit to the future. Like, what are you most excited about for the future? Or what do you feel like is is the next big thing that marketers ought to pay attention to? I mean, I think the way that we're heading is just an unbelievable trajectory. I think we are going to rely on data. I know everyone's talking about AI, but I don't think AI will ever replace anything that humans can do. Um, there are too many glitches. I think it can support. I think that you know companies who figure out how to leverage it in a smart way will probably outperform those who can. Um, but I, you know, I do think that data uh, is really going to play a big factor into where we head in the future. Mm-hmm. Data and Very optimization. Cool. Yeah. Are you guys doing anything that you can talk about at Jackson Hewitt? Like data? I mean, I imagine you guys have massive amounts of first-party data. Yeah. I mean, one of the most interesting things always, I think, for any brand is is the customer funnel and and how you do, you know, from acquisition to to loyalty retention. I think that's always so fascinating to see how to, you know, do the clusters. So that that is something yeah that we do a lot. And it's it's fun. It's fun to say like, okay, we can target that person in that way. And it's great. Very cool. Very cool. So um, yeah, I personally am super excited about AI and chat GPT. I just see yes. uh, so many applications for it. Um, I do agree. I don't think it'll like replace humans necessarily because uh, somebody has to use the thing, you know, like somebody right. ha- like because chat GPT, I've learned in messing around with it. It's all about the prompt. Like if you put it like you could put in the same prompt sort of worded in two different ways or, you know, with version B, including more detail or less detail right? Um, and get totally different responses. But I've we've been doing like some really interesting things just uh, regarding content production. Um, but like I said, like, well, I think a lot of copywriters specifically are scared of it, you know, but, but I think that, uh, like the next generation of copywriter will probably be like an AI prompting wizard that also knows how to write copy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Have you seen Jasper? No, I haven't. Should I? Should oh, you should check scared? it out. Well, Jasper, it's um, it's built on ChatGPT, but it's trained with direct, with like a lot of direct response, um, Boy. copy examples. So it writes well. It's it's touted to write like high converting copy, but if you look at that versus like a copy AI, Jasper does a, a much better job than cop versus copy AI. And it's interesting. I feel like we've always had that threat, right? Computers are going to take our jobs, but yeah. Even you know when Google came out, everyone's like, "Oh my gosh, Google do everything." It's, no, you need people to 
actually, and you know, to, like you have to search the words to get the thing. So there yeah. is always a, a human, and I think that expertise you just can't replicate in any sort of AI. Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to agree. At least not in the very near future, anyway. Right. Hopefully that stays true for a while. Yeah. Right. Cool. Well, Suzanne, this has been amazing. Um, I'm cognizant of time here. I know um, we could keep going, but let's go to the grab bag. So I've got three quick questions for you to end it out. Oh boy. They're kind of, they're kind of funny uh, slash silly. So first question is if you were to start a side hustle, what would it be? Interesting. If I were to start a side I actually, if I had to start a side hustle, I think I would be either a travel agent or an event planner. I sort of have this weird like Jedi thing of whenever I plan a trip it is, or a party, it's, it's like detailed, but with enough room for error and fun. That's awesome. Um, so I think, yeah, event planner slash travel agent, maybe my next calling. Cool. That's your zone of genius. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, second question is what are like two or three of the most influential authors or influencers or books uh, that have that have made an impact for you? Catcher in the Rye is number one. Always Catcher my favorite. Yeah, I try to read it every few years. It was just that pivotal first book that caught me and you know taught me about the elegance and the beauty of a word. I think that's my absolute uh, favorite. Uh, Truman Capote, Breakfast at Tiffany's, the book, as well as the movie is amazing, but the book is incredible and it really colors the picture. Um, and what's the third? I guess, what's the third? I read a lot of like leadership books and how to be a better manager. And those are always interesting, but I actually, when I go on trips and I sit at the bar by myself reading those, it actually looks a little sad, but... <laughs> It's a good time to do it. So it's a good conversation starter. I imagine. Exactly. Like people are like, are you really reading about leadership at a bar in Sarasota? And I'm like, yeah, by myself and a tiki bar too. That's funny. Cool. And then last up is um, what do you do to blow off steam and to avoid burnout? I love to travel to blow off steam. I love to spend time with my kids. I also love to karaoke and anyone who knows me knows I have actually a karaoke room in my house, which is where I grabbed this computer from. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I have, uh, that was the one thing I really missed in the pandemic is that social, just being able to be with people and sing and be silly because everyone, nobody hates karaoke. Everyone yeah. loves it. And the next day, like, oh, I forgot to sing that song. So I turned one of my rooms into a karaoke room, which is my normal office. This is my secondary office because I wanted to Make sure there was, there was no sounds because it's closer to the street. That's awesome. Very cool, Suzanne. Well, um, thank you again. Thank you so much. Uh, if uh, you're listening and you're loving this, please drop us a like or a comment. Share it on uh, social or with a friend. Uh, Suzanne, if folks want to learn more about you or Jackson Hewitt, where would you point them? Absolutely. Uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I love having new friends on LinkedIn. Please just reach out, Suzanne Darmory. Uh, and same with Jackson Hewitt. They, we are Jackson Hewitt on LinkedIn. Um, and I'm also on everything, Graham, Facebook, Instagram, love meeting new people and would love to connect anyone who wants to chat more. That's awesome, Suzanne. Well, uh, again, thank you so much. Happy Friday to you. And Thanks, um, we will see you soon. I'd love to have you back on sometime. Thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate it. And we did it. We're <laughs> importantly. <laughs>
Thank you again, Chris. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us today. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at performancemarketinginsiders.com. This podcast is sponsored by Web Mechanics, the performance agency that makes you smarter, offering AI-driven search, paid social, analytics, and conversion rate optimization for financial services, health, B2B, and SaaS brands that know. Hey guys, exclusive for listeners of this podcast, you can get a performance marketing assessment for free. And this isn't some cookie cutter automated report. It lays out detailed, specific things you can do right now to unlock limitless growth and nirvana level personal satisfaction. To claim your free assessment, just go to performancemarketinginsiders.com slash audit and you'll have your customer report within just a few days. 